You're listening to the Hotspot Podcast, the hothouse theatre in the beautiful twin cities of Albury, Wodonga. I'm Lynn Wallace, Artistic Director for Hot House. On a brisk spring day in 1936, the last known Tasmanian tiger died in Hobart Zoo. Its demise was due to a range of factors, but undoubtedly its biggest enemy was us, mankind. You see, the thylacine preyed on sheep and poultry and attracted a bounty, resulting in it being shamefully hunted to extinction. With over 1,700 animals and ecological systems hovering on the brink of extinction in Australia alone, the show they saw a thylacine is a timely reminder of the impact of mankind on the natural world. Now, this is a beautiful show created by a company called Human Animal Exchange, and it opens at our Butterfactory Theatre on the 3rd of May. The company is the brainchild of theatre makers Sarah Hamilton and Justine Campbell, and the show itself is a fictionalised account of the battle of two very independent women struggling to be taken seriously in the early 19th century, very cleverly intertwined with the fate of the thylacine. They saw a thylacine is nearing the end of a substantial national tour, with Aubrey Wodonga being its last stop. And I recently spoke with Sarah and Justine while they were on the road about why they made the show. Can you talk a little bit about why you, you put the company together and what the ethos of the company is? The ethos of the company is really that we want to uh, create theatre that focuses on stories that relate to our engagement with the world. Um, Sarah and I both come from uh, backgrounds. Sarah works at the zoo and has had a long love of um, bushwalking and has used to do it actually for a job. And I come from a family. My um, father was an ornithologist and quite um, my sister's a biologist. And we always, um, as a kid, you know, I would go around with Dad and we would collect and mount um, butterflies. And that um, interest and connection with um, our environment has always been something that both of us have grown up with. The company was formed out of our um, natural and organic inclination towards making theatre that was about um, our relationship with the world and and probably um, stuff that was possibly less navel-gazing um, because... <laughs> we don't want any navel-gazing in theatre. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that, there's nothing wrong with it and there's some wonderful shows that do that. Um, but our, our interests lay outside of that and it sort of lay through our relationship with what was going on around us because we are, we both have the belief that, you know, we are one of many creatures that inhabit this, this earth and um, I think so often we forget that. Sarah, do you want to talk a little bit about the genesis of, genesis of the show of They Saw a Thylacine? Well, I guess this play really started cooking probably when I was only about five Um I grew up in Tassie, in Hobart, and also in Bishnau on the east coast of Tasmania. And my grandpa told me a story about when he was a kid. Um, he was playing on the beach in East Wynyard, which is on the northwest coast of the state. 
and he found what he thought was like a sea monster lying in the sand. And you can imagine that would have been, I found that really scary when I was a kid. But what it turned out to be was a washed up thylacine on the beach. And it had its eyes rolled back in its head and its teeth all exposed. And he was, he said his heart went to his throat and he ran home and got his dad. He was only about four himself. Um, He ran and got his dad and his dad told him, son, that's a Tasmanian tiger. Um, so I've always had a real interest in the thylacine and I guess that did stem from that story and I did ask for that story to be told a lot when I was growing up. Wow. <laughs> uh, and also, I mean, I've got a few family connections. Um, my great-great-aunt who lived next door to Grandpa, she was a photographer and she actually took some of the really iconic images of the thylacine that survive today. So there's a lot of mystery there um, and also um, a lot of bushwalking in my family. So I... <laughs> grew up trekking through the Tasmanian wilderness and wondering what was out there, collecting poo specimens and taking them to the museum and asking if they were possibly thylacine poos. <laughs> Apparently they I'm were I'm sure probably. your parents appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, mum encouraged it, to be honest. It's just lovely to hear you talk about those connections. You've got those photos, you've got those stories, but for people growing up now, children growing up... Um, that's gone for them, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's a real sense of wonder that remains in Tasmania. You know, there's a real enigma around this animal, but, you know, the tragedy of it is is that it's something, it's a hope that a lot of people do cling on to and people still go searching for it. But the sad reality is that, you know, there's probably none out there. Um, and its closest living relative, the Tasmanian devil, is now facing extinction it's all but gone so it's you know it's a cycle that's continuing sadly and that's not due to human predation but to due to disease so yeah it's a it's a very it's it's a a very sad part of our country's history Uh, and and, and, and there have been you know on that there's been about 4,000 sightings apparently since (laughs) the 30s I mean (laughs) your belief is that it, it isn't out there do you think that um that any of these sightings might possibly be real because looking uh, at, the, at the net, you can see even early this year um, there was a sighting, I think, in, in, in Tasmania. Um, yeah, and one in Victoria as well. <laughs> oh, good. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what do you think? Do you think it's, um, it's just wishful thinking? I think... Oh, it's, it's such an interesting one. I'm sure that some of the early sightings were true. That this, you know, the official line is that the last thylacine died in 1936, but I'm sure into the 50s even that that there were still thylacines around. Um, very few. Um, I mean, even my own parents claim to have seen one in the 1980s on the east coast of Tasmania. Um, so, but you know, I, I do think we we see what we want to see. So if you see a bit of a blur, your mind goes, "Oh, it was probably a thylacine," and you really cling to that because that's what we all want to see when you're in the, the depths of wilderness in Tasmania. <laughs> so my heart says, "Yes, it's a possibility," but my brain says, "Probably not." And a good point that um, someone that Justine had the good fortune of meeting. Um, who actually worked alongside the thylacine at the Beaumaris Zoo, he said that he doesn't think they're around anymore because their call was so distinctive. And today, if we were to hear that call, we would know it was the thylacine and there really are no recordings or uh, recollections of, of that call anymore. Oh, 
so it's um, sad. Yeah. So sad. Yeah. Um, of course, science and DNA extraction, and I have read a couple mm. of articles that are saying, you know, there is potential, I guess, in the future to to resurrect the thylacine uh, through mm. the use of DNA and cloning. And um, I mean, what's your feeling about that? Do you think that's something something we should do? Mm-hmm. My gut feeling is. No, I don't think we should. Um, I think that we, you know, we have a real responsibility that the animals that that are struggling to survive at the moment, and that that we need to take care of our environment and care for the species that we still have. And I think that we're really meddling with things if we're trying to bring back species that have that have gone now. Uh, it, it doesn't feel right to me, but um, but I, I mean there is a little bit of curiosity. But what would happen? What would the life? What would that life be like for that thylacine? You know, if if they managed to bring one back, you know, what would its life be? What would its quality of life be? What would the purpose of it being around be? I guess we could learn more about the species, but to what you know, to what avail? Yeah, I think they're yeah. really really great points. So, so you guys are on the road very soon. Um, what's, it, what's it feel like to be ta- actually taking off and mostly taking this show into regional areas? Yeah, we've been really, really looking forward to coming to see you guys and we're so, we're so thrilled that ac- actually it's the last leg of the tour as well and that we get to stay for a whole week because it's, um, it's just so wonderful, Albury Wodonga, you know, I've, I've, Travelled through Aubrey a couple of times, and it's just such a wonderful town. Both of the towns, actually, in in terms of all the stuff that's going on with the communities there, I think we'll find a really receptive audience. And I'm really looking forward to the Q and A's and being able to um, just chat with the people that come as well and and find out more about what's going on with the community. They Saw a Thylacine is produced by Malthouse Theatre and toured by Performing Lines and opens at Hot House on Tuesday the 3rd of May. It only runs for a week until Saturday. Now, I saw the show in Melbourne. It's beautiful, funny, suspenseful, and it packs a huge emotional punch. It's impossible to leave the theatre without being haunted by the loss of this beautiful creature. I'm Lynn Wallace. Thanks for listening. See you at the show.